Good morning. It's always a blessing to be with you. It seems to me that every single Sunday morning, we all come to this place from from different places. We've all had different weeks. We've all had different experiences at church throughout our lives. And I think we come hoping that we will encounter not only the presence of God, but that we will encounter, that we will hear a word from the Lord. And it doesn't matter how many times you might have come to church and you participate and you try your hardest to, to be open and to listen, and yet you leave feeling perhaps like you missed something, you didn't hear something from God's heart speaking into your heart. You still keep coming hoping that this day will be a day where you hear a word from the Lord. Or at least that's, that's how I feel when I come to church when I open up scripture, when I'm with God's people, that no matter how many times I may have been here before and I leave not quite sure, I come back with the expectation that today will be that day. For the last couple of months as a church, we have been trying our hardest to open our hearts up to the words that Jesus speaks to us from the Sermon on the Mount. And each week I have found myself addressed. I I have found myself challenged, and I have found myself wrestling with how is it that I'm going to let Jesus' invitation, Jesus' call, shape the rest of my life, shape the coming week, the decisions that I'm going to make, the conversations that I'm going to be a part of. And this morning is no different. In fact, of all the different challenges that Jesus addresses for me personally, the command to stop worrying is one of the most difficult. Open your Bible up to Matthew chapter 6. We'll start in verse 19, and we're actually going to be reading a a section that covers verses 19 through 34, uh, but that's a really long section. And so we'll actually be reading a selection of those verses that I hope gives us the overall sweep of what Jesus is talking about. He says, Stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth. Where moth and rust eat them, and where thieves break in and steal them. Instead, collect treasures for yourselves in heaven, where moth and rust don't eat them, and where thieves don't break in and steal them. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? And who among you, by worrying, can add a single moment to your life? Therefore, don't worry and say, what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what are we going to wear? Gentiles long for all of these things. Your heavenly Father knows you need them. Instead, desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, stop worrying about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, I I don't know anybody who, if given the chance, wouldn't want to be able to script their own future. 
as exciting as it is to not know exactly how things are going to turn out in a book you're reading or a movie you're watching or a game of your, your favorite sports team, not knowing how things are going to turn out in your own life can be excruciating. It can steal your appetite. It can cause you not to sleep well at night. Not knowing what's around the corner tomorrow can steal our joy today. So when Jesus tells us to stop worrying, to stop fretting over all the bad things that might be just around the corner, he's not telling us to do something that's easy. He's telling us to stop doing something that, at least for me, me feels almost as, as unconscious and involuntary as breathing. I mean, how can Jesus seriously ask us to not worry? Has he looked around lately? Has he been paying attention? Has he seen the current state of the world? Has he watched the news? Has he read the paper? Has he turned on the radio? I mean, there division and discord in every direction we look. There are angry arguments and, and name-calling and constant spin that come crashing into us from, from all sides. And, and it's not just the news. It's not just out there. It's not just our world. It's also our health. High blood pressure and, and heart disease and cancer and diabetes and, and the list just keeps going and going. You can eat right and exercise right and drop dead from a heart attack without any warning and too many of us know people that that's happened to for us to pretend it couldn't happen to us. And, and what, about, what about our family relationships? What about our, our marriages and our children and our aging parents? What, what, what happens if somebody that you love dearly and deeply turns to you and, and says with all seriousness and honesty, I'm done. I'm just done. What happens if a son or a daughter willfully decides to walk away from all the values, the the truth that you've tried to teach them in your home. How are you supposed to handle a conversation with, with mom or dad when it's clear that they can't live by themselves anymore, they can't stay in their own home and they need to move into a convalescent home and it is the very last conversation they're willing to have? And it's not just our, our family, it's also our friends. I mean, what are you supposed to do when you find out that somebody you thought had your back threw you under a bus to get ahead? What are you supposed to do when you find out that somebody that you have placed deep trust in has decided to betray you? What about work? What about all the years of effort and investment that you have, have built trying to create something that matters, something that will last what happens if, if all of that comes crashing down because somebody else fails you? What, what happens if you fail? What happens if your employer pulls you into a meeting without any warning and tells you that it's, it's been good, but they no longer need your services? I mean, what are we supposed to do? What, what, what then? When Jesus tells us to stop worrying, he, he's not telling us to do something that's easy. He, he's telling us to, to stop trying to script our own future. He's telling us that even if we could sell our own souls for for more money and more stuff and the security it, it might all bring us, that none of it would ever buy us the real peace that we're longing for. You and I have different ways of obsessing over how to secure, how to script our own future than the impoverished men and women that first heard these words from Jesus. And the people that make up Jesus' crowd are so financially fragile, they are so economically vulnerable that any slight interruption could have 
could have caused them to go without the basic necessities of life, without food to eat or water to drink or clothes to wear. And and I know that there are times that that you and I find ourselves in that place too, but, but for the most part, you and I don't worry about things like that. I mean, just about all of us have more than enough for interruptions, well, they're stressful and they cause us some anxiety, but, but in the end, we, we pretty much have the ability to eat and drink and have clothing and a place to, to, to sleep. In fact, most of us have more than enough resources not to have to even really think about God's activity in our daily needs. I mean, we say prayers, we, we talk like we believe that every good thing we have comes from God, but I'm not sure that we have a soul-deep gratitude for the fact that, that the lunch we're going to eat later today is only something we have in our lives because God says so. I, I think we have a sense that, that we've worked hard, and so we're able to afford to eat, and we're able to afford other things that we need and we want, and we, we really don't have this daily dependence on, on having God be the one who grants us those things time after time after time. And we have this sense that throughout Scripture, God's people are supposed to be able to not only talk about or think about, but to confess and believe, to be convinced that every good thing that is in our life is not something we deserve to have. It is a gift. I think we struggle to have that, out, that outlook, to have that perspective. And just because we don't worry about those basic daily necessities, it doesn't mean that we haven't figured out other things to, to worry about. You and I, we, we often suffer not only from, from a kind of spiritual amnesia where we forget who to thank, we also struggle with a pretty severe case of spiritual mistaken identity, right, where we... We may not exactly think we're God, but we do sometimes think we're capable of doing things that, that truthfully only God can do. So it, it's not just that we, we end up thanking ourselves and our own hard work for things that we really truly ought to be thanking God for, but we start to think that we're the ones who take care of ourselves with the things that we basically need, and therefore we can also take care of ourselves in the future. We can decide what happens to us that we're responsible for every single thing that enters into our lives, that we're responsible for handling every single thing that comes crashing into our lives, whether it's something good and exciting or something difficult and causes us great pain and sorrow and suffering. You and I think we ought to be up to the challenge on our own, through our own efforts, through our own strategies. And so we wrestle with the kind of relationship we should have with our own future. All along in the back of our minds, while we're rushing around trying to secure everything it is that we think we need, we know that there are factors. Factors that are bigger than us. Factors that are stronger than us. Factors that come unexpectedly into our lives and forcefully throw us off course. And so... Even though we're working hard to secure things, we're also worrying desperately. I don't know anyone who wouldn't like to script their own future, but we can't. 
I mean, we can certainly contribute to our future, but we can't control it. We can't shape it as we see fit. That's something only God can do, and deep down, we know it. So, we go back and forth and back and forth. We worry, and yet we run around all over the place in our worry, trying to anticipate anything and everything that might threaten the version of the future that we feel like we need to have, that we desperately need to have come true. And we end up trying our hardest to to prepare ourselves through our own efforts and through our own power for any curveball that life might throw us. And because there's no limit to how many curveballs we we may have to face in this life, it means there's no limit to the kind of anxiety we go through. This kind of future-obsessed life where we're living less in the present then we are trying to to craft a certain kind of future. It's a life that ends up often being ruled by this frantic, breathless busyness, and it has nothing at all in common with the good life that God wants for us. The the good life that God wants you and I to experience, it's only possible when we trust God enough to stop worrying that God's going to let us down. And be honest. Do you really trust God to write the best possible future for you in your life? Or are you you still trying your very hardest to make sure that your life turns out exactly the way you want it to? Jesus tells us the only pathway away from our worry addiction towards God's good life is a foundational trust that helps us belong to God's kingdom more than we're committed to our own kingdoms. A foundational trust that helps us seek new ways to experience God's faithful way of taking care of us better than we know how to take care of ourselves. A foundational trust that helps us discover that if we want to find peace, we can't find it through our own power alone, but only through the life-sustaining, life-shaping power of God. Trust me, Jesus says. Trust me and my Father and the Holy Spirit enough to give you the kind of future you actually need. Trust me and my Father, and the Holy Spirit enough so that you can actually give your life to the pursuit of my kingdom and my righteousness rather than pursuing a way to build your kingdom and whatever it is that you think needs to happen for you. Trust me and my Father and the Holy Spirit enough that if you'll focus your life on seeking the kingdom of God, that along the way all those things you think you need to have a good life, they'll be given to you as well. Trust me, Jesus says. Trust me and my Father and the Holy Spirit enough. Stop worrying and start trusting. When Jesus tells us to stop worrying, he's not telling us to do something that's, that's easy. And I am so addicted to this, this imaginary way of, of securing my own future through worry that I've decided that the first baby step maybe I could take since I'm kind of a worry addict, is to at least trade in my self-focused worries for better ones. I mean, what do you think would happen if you and I worried less about our own individual lives and we started worrying more about the lives of, of the lost people around us? I mean, what would happen if we worried less about bigger 
promotions and, and better cars and nicer houses, and we started worrying more about people who don't know Jesus yet? What if we worried about how it is we could help people understand that even if they feel like nobody else loves them, God loves them, and so do we? I mean, what would happen if we, we worried less about our own popularity and influence and we worried more about Christianity's reputation throughout the world? What would happen if we, we, we stopped worrying about, right? If, if, it, if what kept us up at night weren't thoughts about our own kingdoms and, and how we might build lives that, that give us all the things we want. And instead, we gave the rest of our lives to letting more and more people experience the goodness and the grace of God's kingdom. Yeah, I do need to quit worrying about the San Francisco Giants. So what, what seriously would happen if we traded our current worries for better ones? We still wouldn't be following what Jesus says. Right? That's cheating. I was trying to find a loophole. It's cheating. Because Jesus doesn't want us to have better worries. He wants us to stop worrying. He wants us to realize that our future is the kingdom of God. And no matter what is going on in our world, things are right in the kingdom of God. Things are good in the kingdom of God. Things are holy in the kingdom of God. Things are connected in the kingdom of God. People are united in the kingdom of God. There is never any good reason to worry about the kingdom of God. Now, what I think might be causing our resistance to actually living that way is that you and I want to somehow figure out how to be partial citizens of the kingdom of God and still belong to our own kingdoms. And it's pulling us apart. It's tearing us apart. Not only in our own lives, but I I believe, brothers and sisters, that at times it's tearing us apart from one another. We're either all in or we're not. Jesus says, stop worrying Stop worrying and start trusting in the kingdom of God with unshakable confidence. I mean, Christ, Christ calls us to reach out to the lost. He doesn't tell us to worry about them. He, he calls us to serve the poor, not be anxious about them. He calls us to heal the sick, not be afraid for them. And he calls us to share our lives with the least of these, not feel sorry for them. Jesus calls us to seek the coming of the kingdom with unshakable confidence. And the only way that's going to happen is if you and I decide that our lives are all about the kingdom. And not about all the other things that tempt us to believe that somehow we can build our own version of the good life. There is only one version of the good life, and it comes from the heart of God. We cannot build it. 
We cannot make it happen. The only thing you and I can do, the only power we have when it comes to experiencing the good life of God is to receive it. When Jesus tells us to stop worrying, he's he's not telling us to do something that's easy, but he is telling us the truth. Because as broken and fallen as the world outside of the kingdom of God may be, God isn't done yet. God hasn't given up on that world yet. And God has not given up on any single one of us. He's in our lives moment by moment with us, helping us through good times and bad. We can trust in God more than we can trust in ourselves. We can rely on God's presence more than we can rely on the presence of of anybody in our lives, no matter how much they're trying to love us and be there for us. You and I don't have the power to write our own futures, but we do worship a God who promises us that he will be with us in whatever kind of future we have to face. And that means that in every single way that really matters, your future is going to be good. Your future is going to be good. Our future is going to be good because our future doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. So, take a deep breath. Relax. And seek the kingdom with your whole heart. And all the things that keep you up at night won't matter as much to you anymore. All the things that you're chasing after, you'll see that nothing that you desire is anywhere near as important as your relationship with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And no plan that you've ever had in your life is anywhere as important as the coming of the kingdom of God, the inbreaking of God's goodness and holiness and righteousness in our world that has forgotten its own creator. Nothing else matters than the kingdom, and the kingdom is never something you and I need to worry about. The only emotion you and I should ever have about the kingdom of God is gratitude. We're going to sing together now, and as we do, we're going to have a few shepherding couples just outside these double doors. They're there to pray with you, to talk with you, to receive you. And so if you came this morning and you have anything you want to pray about, if you'd like to know a little bit more about following Jesus and becoming a part of of God's kingdom, they're there to talk with you. They're there to be community with you. Go to them as together we stand and sing.